Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. California has several subsidized childcare programs that help families pay for childcare and fund many of the state's tens of thousands of childcare providers. But that aid reaches only a small fraction of families who need it, and many providers say they aren't paid enough to cover their costs. Joining us now to talk about the real cost of childcare are Union Tribune education reporter Kristen Takeda, government and watchdog editor Sam Schultz, managing editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with publisher and editor Jeff Light. Jeff? Yes, thank you, Luis. And uh, Kristen, first of all, congratulations on a uh, really well-reported project on uh, a very important topic. Uh, you don't see a lot of reporting in this area, so... So thank you for all of that great work. Um, maybe to start, you could just describe uh, your project, the scope of it, and uh, and the the findings to orient uh, our listeners. Yeah, sure. So it's a five part project, um, like Luis mentioned, looking at California's subsidy system for childcare. So this is like the main source of support that exists across the state for families who can't afford childcare. And obviously, as we all know, childcare is very expensive. Many families can't afford it. So I wanted to look into that. Like, why is this system of support that's supposed to be helping families? Why does it seem to be missing so many people? Why isn't it helping more families get childcare? So um, yeah, um, the first part talked about like what that means for parents, the ways in which the subsidy system um, doesn't it falls short for a lot of families and doesn't serve as many as it could or as many as it says um, it should be serving essentially because there's lots of eligible families who qualify for subsidized child care, but they're not getting it. So we look into that. And then we um, the second part focuses on what that means for child care providers, the people who are charged with taking care of kids. Um, but in reality, um, this subsidy system does not pay them nearly enough to cover their costs. So we talk about the ramifications of that for providers who are paid extremely, who receive extremely low wages, and then also what that means for childcare supply that in turn limits um, the number of providers and spots that are available for childcare. So we go into many um, issues for those two stories. And then uh, we have some more stories coming out. Uh, one of them is about um, the this phenomenon where there's actually millions of childcare dollars that the state sets aside, but they don't end up getting used. They go unspent. So we talk about why that happens, um, which seems kind of contradictory to the situation when we need more money for childcare, we need more childcare. Right. Um, and then the fourth story uh, will, will be about um, uh, one California city, San Francisco, that has managed to um, find a find, find what a rev one possible solution for this whole, for all of these issues, for the issues of providers not getting paid enough and for the issues of not enough subsidies to serve or not enough families getting subsidized care. So um, we'll talk about how they got there and what that will, what that will do. Yeah. And, and you've also got a guide for parents oh, yes. that uh, yes. I thought was part a really good part of all of this. Yes. We plan to hopefully distribute that to more um, parts of the city and then, but yeah, that's, it, it, it's just a guide to that explains the basics of childcare for families, different types of childcare, how you could qualify for subsidized childcare, 
Um, so we're hoping to demystify that system for families because it can get really confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, how did you uh, end up going down this road on child care? What was the the genesis of this work? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I normally don't write about child care. I'm normally write about K-12 education um, pretty much exclusively, but I had run into a few child care stories throughout my time here writing on educate writing about education um there was a study that university of san diego actually did it was about four or five years ago um where they kind of like briefly touched on all these issues that i explored in this series like the issue of money going unspent in return to the state because the child care dollars couldn't be used um and the issue of families making too much to qualify for subsidized childcare, but not enough to um, pay for childcare themselves. So um, that study, I thought it was, I just thought it was really interesting, but I wanted to look, like answer a lot of the questions that I had looking at it. Like, why do we return money to the state when we need more childcare? And how many families are falling in that gap of not being able to pay for childcare themselves, but not getting any help from the state. So yeah, that was always kind of on my mind through throughout the years I've worked here. And I didn't uh, carve out, I wasn't able to really carve out time to delve into that because it was such a hefty topic and time consuming topic. And it was outside of my regular beat. So um, I, I I feel like I got a chance to do that when I um, applied for a fellowship that um, is offered by USC's Center for Health Journalism. So um, I, I guess that kind of gave me a reason to and uh, to carve out time to do a big project like that. So um, yeah, that's that's how I finally got to be able to write write this series and work on it. Yeah, yeah. So, so just tell us a little bit about the fellowship. How did, how does that work, and uh, what, um, what what was the whole process there? Yeah. What, is so a, what I, does a journalist on a fellowship do? How does what do you do after you have your cup of coffee in the morning? Yeah, sure. So, um, the well, um, yeah, there are different kinds of journalism fellowships out there, like different different structures. But this one in particular, how it worked was it started off uh, last summer with a week of kind of like professional development. So there were, we went, it was me and a cohort of other uh, fellows from across the country, from different news outlets, um, from public radio, from online only outlets and uh, other traditional newspapers. So um, a lot of other intelligent journalists were there and we um, went through, um, yeah, we got, we had these workshops and uh, talks about, um, some of them were about like public health issues to help us learn more about them. And then some of them were about, um, how to do better journalism, like how to approach a large project like this and, um, things like that. And so, um, yeah, that was the, and then we also, during that fellowship, we also collaborated with each other. We, uh, brainstormed with each other. And so that was, uh, and there were also some, kind of mentor editors um, from other uh, news outlets as well. So we all kind of worked together and um, 
like brainstormed on our projects and then um also about just general kind of newsroom issue like newsroom culture issues as well so um yeah it was a really interesting week um of uh learning and it was yeah i i think i personally liked it because i it was a chance for me to get to see how other journalists work and mm -hmm. get a chance to kind of go out of my k-12 bubble as well to learn more about because education really does overlap with all a ton of obviously with a ton of issues in society including um public health issues and i think the way the fellowship tried to frame health it was it's really kind of like a multidisciplinary um multidisciplinary subject where everything is connected to each other whether that be homelessness or poverty or um environmental health um mm -hmm. so it was kind of like a broad i i would say it was a really broad uh umbrella of uh how, of how they um defined health i guess so um but yeah childcare uh definitely fell under that umbrella as well and and as a fellow your obligation was to produce a, a significant story in the realm of public health is that was that uh, the agreement how how did all that yeah work? yeah yeah that was a requirement uh the main requirement for the fellowship was we had to produce a project um with a number of stories or installments um and it was about a, a subject of our own choosing so we had to as part of the application the the application was really me presenting like my proposal for the whole project and what I hope to accomplish with it and what kind of topics and stories I was planning to produce for it. And so they, um, that's how they decided how to accept applicants was based on our project proposals. But yeah, the requirement was to produce a project by, um, within like about half a year. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Okay. So let's turn to Sam Schultz. Sam, you were the, uh, 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 editor who works with uh, with Kristen uh, uh, as uh, the government and um, and uh, investigations editor, um, and uh, this project uh, gave us an opportunity to get at something that you know isn't one of her beats. We don't have a childcare beat, so it's a a, a whole entree into a really important topic. Um, maybe you could share a little bit of your thinking on the project, and also a little maybe. You know, is this different? Is there any difference between Kristen's fellowship work and the work that you two would have done together if Kristen had come to you and said, hey, I've got ideas about uh, a child care project? You know, that's a great question. I am. Um, and uh, it is one that um, so I as a relative newcomer to the UT, uh, I actually Kristen was the, the first uh, person here who I met in person. Um, that was the week she was uh, she was at that fellowship uh at USC. Um, so, you know, this, uh, to be honest, that was my, I, she was working on this, uh, on this when I came in. And so it's been a pleasure to, um, come in early on this project and, and really shape it and see, uh, and see how her beat can be expanded. You know, I think to Kristen's point, I don't think that early childhood education and childcare have really traditionally been included in education beats. I think that has been, um, I think there has been a move toward doing that more in a number of newsrooms. Um, but you know, it, as 
As I think a number of um, of the providers she spoke with uh, have mentioned and allude to throughout this series, there is some. Uh, you can make an argument that uh, that some of this crisis of childcare comes down to a very different type of uh, value that's placed um, on childcare what we know as childcare and early childhood education versus K through 12 education. Um, I think she did a really smart job throughout this series of situating that crisis, um, its economic effects, the toll that it takes on the health and well-being of parents and of uh, small business owners and of children too, um, and how that crisis can be exacerbated in some case by K through 12 education policy, um, that these are not completely divorced um, realms, uh, especially and that's true, especially now um, with the state's expansion of transitional kindergarten, um, which is policymakers term for the uh, the year of pre-K for four-year-olds. Um, it's become ever more clear, I think, with that, that these that the that consideration of childcare does belong in uh, an education beat, whether we're talking for young children who aren't yet in school or how um, after school care uh, complements or doesn't, um, K-12 education. So I think, I think throughout this series, um, Kristen's done a really great job of, of laying out how that fits in, um, and of sort of mapping out what that coverage might look like going forward, um, of, of education more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as a, a, a parent of two children, the struggle with, uh, with childcare is one that, that everybody with children has faced, and it uh, it, it really is a, a profound topic. So I, I thought both of you did really great work on this. Um, Laura Sacalo, I wanted to to, to to just turn to you uh, um, to think about this issue of fellowships. So the uh, Center for Health Journalism at USC, part of the Annenberg School, uh, I think fits our definitions of a uh, of a uh, uh, a, a, a reputable and um, uh, legitimate partner for our journalism work, uh, you know, a place with values that uh, uh, we share and with a long tradition of uh, of journalistic ethics, right? I think that makes it a pretty a pretty good fit. But how do we decide what uh, kind of journalistic partners? We might or might not engage with, and are there any perils in this world? What 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 are your thoughts as the managing editor? I I do think there's the potential for for peril. Uh, traditionally, the fellowships that I'm aware of that uh, staff members have participated in have have been journalism oriented. They've been geared toward either professional development or continued learning, either specific to journalism or maybe in some cases to someone's beat to give them an opportunity to, you know, take some time away from the daily deadlines to really delve into their area of expertise. And as Kristen was saying, I think one of the values is in those kinds of fellowships, being able to learn from fellow journalists, learn best practices, how other news organizations or other people maybe in your um, subject matter are approaching those those kinds of things and to to 
use that opportunity to really learn from each other. I think the peril would come, and hopefully we would be attuned to this in considering fellowships, is if an organization, a fellowship sponsor, was trying in some way to um, get special consideration or curry favor in some way to directly influence coverage, I think we would take a pass uh, on that. And I think we would want to guard against anything that would either create a conflict of interest or create the appearance of a conflict of, of interest. And I, I think we would uh, shy away from anything that would really, you know, compromise our ethical standards. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, the, the, um, challenges in the journalism industry have, uh, brought forth also a lot of opportunities for these kinds of fellowships and for funding from uh, different um, different uh, journalism and philanthropic groups. And I think the, the lines are not always bright lines. You know, I think uh, I, I've seen some that I've wondered uh, whether we would uh, accept them or not. Even in the education field, I can think of uh, one in LA that uh, raised some questions a few years back. Um, uh, so there probably will be more opportunity to explore explore these ideas as the world becomes uh, a little more complicated going forward. But with that, I think I will turn it back to you, Luis. And uh, again, Kristen, thank you for your terrific stories. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you, Laura, Kristen, and Sam. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. You can read Kristen Takeda's special series on California's child care system on our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. There you can also find a parent's guide on how to find child care and how to get help paying for it. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.